What's going on, everybody? Uh, the boys are back with another episode of the Trifecta, yeah. coming from you. <laughs> we are presented by Back Sports Page, as always. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Check out all the great articles that are being posted by a bunch of the great writers. How are you guys doing today? Chilling, man. Chilling like a villain, as always. <laughs> doing all right. You know what I mean? Just a height? Come on, bro. We're getting sports back. Better night. Just a night. Better. A little better. A little bit. Exactly. You're gonna be doing a little bit better than all right. <laughs> uh, man, I am so so stoked that just sports are coming back in general, and you know to to kind of talk about similar to what we were saying last week, where sports don't become a distraction from what's going on. I think at this point, a distraction would be nice. You know what I mean? I think to be able to turn our brains off for a minute, throw on a basketball game or a baseball game or something, I think that'd be great. I think it would benefit a lot of people. It definitely would update the news cycle as well. Yeah, I agree. So let's get to it. Basketball is coming back, what, in July, right? The end of July? Yes, sir. Now, now let me ask you guys a question. Who do you think is, is going to be take of the chip? I'm, I'm going to be a little biased here. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer. I'm saying the Celtics, and I'm going to tell you why. At the start of this season, when all the teams were healthy, the, song, the Celtics were the number one team in the East for a very long period of time. Then, obviously, the Bucks came storming. The Raptors came up. And, you know, we have that, like, clash of the top three in the East. But I think the Celtics are the most complete team in the East. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think they have a, a chance to come out the East. Um, don't sleep on the Miami Heat either. <laughs> I think that uh, defensive teams are really going to show out in this playoffs because they've been sitting on the couch like you and me for right. a couple months. So you get, you, these guys got to get back in the rhythm and everything. So if you have athletic, rangy, defensive guys, uh, I think that – that will take you a long way in this year's playoff. No, absolutely. Ahmed, what do you think? Sorry, can you say that again, man? I oh, was just I was sorry, just this lag is <laughs> terrible nah, to like an Ethernet cable. <laughs> nah, you're good. Um we were just saying that Ty's saying that a defensive team might be taking the going all the way this year in the NBA with the with the updated playoffs coming. Mm. So I just wanted your opinion. I agree. Uh, I agree. I mean, I I mean, I would say the Lakers. I, I would just automatically defer to that. But I mean, I would even. I'm gonna even go against my as crazy say it. Are a lot better equipped, like in my opinion, because of how defensively the, the like their perimeter defense. You've got Kawhi. You've got Paul George. Mm. Uh, the back end, you've got you know you got Montrezl Harrell. So I agree. I agree. There's a lot of options. I think the Celtics are a good choice. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give a sleeper team, too. I even say I would eat Indiana Pacers Ooh. because they're getting back Oladipo and they're already a defensive-oriented team. Look out for them. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, that's the other thing you got to look at. This break that all the teams got with coronavirus, with giving that 
like that long period of time where teams are able to get healthy, I think that changes a huge dynamic of the game too. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I could be 100% wrong here, but looking at, at the East, like you were saying, Ahmed, with the Pacers, with the Celtics, stuff like that, Milwaukee was pretty healthy going into the to the stretch, right? The Raptors were pretty healthy going into the stretch. Whereas the Celtics, you know, everyone was hurt in chem, uh, Jalen Brown, you know, Gordon Hayward, everyone was kind of hurt in there. I mean, Oladipo not coming back until later in the season anyway. So you got to think, does the, obviously the health has some sort of factor, but do you think it's enough for any of those teams? Mm. I feel like because everybody's been sitting, I feel like that's not an advantage anymore. Like health might not be as big of an advantage in this um, NBA playoff than years previous. And also, I do want to set the record straight. I was not picking the Heat to win the chip. Definitely going with the Clippers on that one, you know, because of they're just a defensive juggernaut. But um, going back to the point we were talking about, I think that what's really going to be um, – an X factor in this year's playoffs is who can get their legs under them first. You feel me? Because yeah. a lot of a lot of people, you know, sitting next to me eating donuts and whatnot. So these guys got to work back. They got to work back into basketball <laughs> shape. No, absolutely. And I think that's uh, that's a great point. Yeah. But I, I was just, I all I was gonna say is uh, I do think that the extra rest will help the older teams you know i teams that are like veteran laden i just think that that's the one thing i could that off the top of my head uh but i agree with you ty like because it's everybody in the same um stuff with health isn't going to be as big a factor i think it could be a bigger factor going down the line like you know starting to get into conference like eastern conference finals and the finals like get into those games is going to really be a factor but as far as starting it off i don't think too many people will get hurt in the exhibition games before the playoff no and i will agree with that but what i was trying to say is just like in every sport right injuries are going to happen they're very common and you know some teams get an unlucky break where you know somebody goes the rest of the season or they're out for you know three months of the season and then they come back during the postseason and now they have to work at getting better right Mm -hmm. whereas now you have guys who got better and didn't have to work through it and they could work through it on their own they could work through it you know at their pace that they were comfortable with and now everybody i think is on an even playing field Mm -hmm. so i think rather than you know injuries not necessarily helping one team I think it makes everything more even. And I think that's one of the most important things right now. And I think that's why this the playoffs are going to be an amazing, an amazing thing to watch for basketball this year. I don't know, man. I kind of think like – I kind of think it's going to look like pickup basketball for a while, you know, until they get into the rhythm and, and things, you know, start building back up that chemistry. I'm not going to disagree with you there, but you're telling me you go down to the park or you go to the gym and you see dudes playing pickup ball. That's fun to me. Like, that's fun. I'm not trying to say it's not fun. I'm just <laughs> for a while, it's going to look look very YMCA-ish for a while. I can't hate on that. I like – I, 
get that for our first round. That's- <laughs> yeah, why not? No, but I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like relating to anything else. You know, you got to work the rust out, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow, mm-hmm. and and that's the fun part is, you know, you watch something right that someone does the first time, or something they haven't done in years or months or whatever. And they're really rusty and they're like making mistakes left and right. And little nuances are happening that are causing teams to, you know, give up easy points or turn the ball over. Mm. But you wouldn't see that four months ago. You know what I mean? So I think it's, I think that's what's going to be fun is watching how they adjust and watch how each team starts to kind of come together. And I think that's where a lot of the, the excitement is going to come from mm. for this playoffs. Yeah, man, for sure. I don't disagree with you there. But I uh, – yeah, Absolutely. So to talk about kind of everything that we're, we're still dealing with, you know, in the country of, you know, people protesting and stuff like that, the NBA has really – as far as I'm aware, they haven't really done much in terms of speaking up. You, you know, last – Last week, we talked about the NFL and the video that the players did for the Black Lives Matter movement. We saw, you know, Commissioner Goodell, even though we all were in agreement that he owes Colin Kaepernick an apology, we he did apologize publicly. He did say we were wrong for how we handled it. Do you think that the NBA has handled the situation well up until this point? Um. I would say yes. I would say yes because they've all they've already been doing the work for it. It's not like they just now have to, you know, start advocating for, you know, their communities or whatnot. NBA players have been had a voice. So, you know, not a lot of well, teams have, you know, said statements, but I think that a lot of the um NBA protests are like player driven you feel me like on a player by player basis no absolutely and i mean we saw that you know last week with enos Cantor, you know in boston commons protesting down there with you know a bunch of people where i'm from we saw jalen brown from the celtics go drive down to atlanta to lead you know protests over there so we saw Giannis in milwaukee leading protests so i agree i think you are 100% right. I feel as though that's why they the league itself hasn't come out publicly is because it is a player's league. It is a, like the players are the voice of the league more so where compared to the NFL, Roger Goodell is kind of the voice of the NFL, no right? Time. So <laughs> no time there, but yeah. th- that's what I'm trying to say. So I, I, I agree with you there. I think um, – I think it's been handled very well, and, you know, it's nice to see that this movement losing any steam. It's nice to see that it's staying strong no matter how much people are trying to push it out of the news and no no matter how much pushback this movement is receiving from anybody, I guess you could say. It's nice to see that it's staying strong. Yeah, I think um, 
I guess the biggest news that came across my TV screen in the last couple of days was um, NASCAR banning the Confederate flag. Like, kudos to them, man. They're really, you know, looking to diversify their fan base, right? Um, for a long time, NASCAR has been, for lack of a better term, you know, a white boys club. It's, it, it's really been, you know, a boys club, and then mostly white people are involved with NASCAR. Like the biggest thing before this Confederate flag ordeal was Danica Patrick um, joining. And then that was everywhere. So right. I think that them willing to, you know, get rid of that piece of history is is very telling that they're trying to diversify not only their fan base, but also, you know, people who are maybe looking to get into the sport as well. No, absolutely. And that's a great that, that's a great way to look at it, right? Is for a for such a league like NASCAR to look at their fan base, look at the type of people that support them, where they're from, where their biggest following is, to turn around and say, "You know what? We don't care if you guys don't yeah. want to race for us. We don't care if you don't want to watch us." We're going to do what's right. Whether you like it or not, that's on you. And, you know, it it's just – it's one of those things that it's just – it gives you that little bit of hope, I guess is what I was trying to say, that you see these companies and you see these leagues that are taking a strong stance against the very people who support them. You know, and so I think it was huge for them. And to to add to that, Ty, there was a driver who quit. Yeah. And he said he doesn't like the direction that NASCAR is headed after banning the flag. So, first of all, they only go one direction. They only go left. <laughs> but, but um, no, I mean – it, as a league, they must not care because they're like, look, like we're going to stand by the people. We're going to stand by, you know, our decision, whether you like it or not. We don't care, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think NASCAR is going to actually go up in popularity. What do you think, Ahmed? I mean, I think. All this just ties back into like all the protests that are going on, all that's happening, that whatever anybody thinks, like whatever direction you, you go, left or right, um, <laughs> I think no matter what, it kind of just shows to the success of, it shows the, it's, it's, it's kind of shows that we're headed in the right direction. Like as a sports nation, I'll be honest, I don't know much about NASCAR, um, but it is good to. It is really encouraging to see for a sport that's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not nearly as popular as NFL. It's not as popular as the NBA. But it's like, as the as those sports kind of embody what's going on now, everything else like NHL, baseball, we're probably going to see those those leagues start to follow suit in some way. I might not know how to. I might not be able to tell you, or we we might not know what it is exactly. But something else is coming. No, and that's a that's an excellent point there too. And to tie it back to baseball, like you said, where other leagues should are going to start following suit. 
um, I don't know how big into baseball you guys are, but there's a baseball player who played for the Minnesota Twins, Torrey Hunter. Mm. And I actually had the pleasure of getting his autograph at a Red Sox game when I was young. I was probably nine, ten years old, something like that. But he had in his contract a no-trade clause strictly to Boston. And it was because fans in Fenway were so toxic, they would their kids and them would hurl racial slurs at him just for being there. But he was still a stand-up guy. He still went to the audience and signed autographs like he did for me. And I've seen him do for hundreds of other kids. You know what I mean? And so people were like, that never happened. No, it didn't. Like people never said that to you. And the Red Sox organization actually came out and backed him and said, We've seen it firsthand. Whether you've witnessed it or not doesn't mean it didn't happen. This happened to him. And of all the people we've been able to actually catch and identify, have been banned for life. Mm. And I think that's, you know, while it's hard to necessarily catch that type of behavior, considering how many people are at a baseball game, how big a stadium like Fenway Park is, you know, the, the fact they were able – even able to catch some of them and say, you're out, we don't want you, we don't want that type of behavior, I think is awesome. And I think the fact that even though it makes Boston look bad, the team is still saying, you know what, we stand by it. And I think, you know, I think if other teams took that type of initiative that Boston took, I think that would make a much larger statement than just coming out and saying we support it. You know what I mean? Mm. So. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, you know, the, it happens in sports all the time, right? Um, Mario Balotelli, who's, you know, Italian, a black Italian um, soccer player, you know, he talked about racial slurs being thrown at him. Um, Patrick Ewing, there's like games. You can literally see games of, People having a, a stuffed gorilla with Patrick Ewing's jersey over it, calling him a monkey, you know, and saying things like that. So it's definitely been prevalent within the sports world. I would like to see how, you know, moving forward, how they combat things like that. No, definitely. And I mean, you don't just see it in, you know, baseball and like soccer, and you see it in literally every single sport. And mm -hmm. I mean, one of the biggest ones you, you see it in from time to time is hockey. Yeah. There's far too few black players in, in the league. And the ones that are in the league have to face so much adversity from fans, the very people that pay to watch them. You know what I mean? At least in a in a sport like the NBA or the NFL, you know, it doesn't matter because of it, it's it's almost like they don't care if they lose those fans because they have a million other fans, right? Mm -hmm. But when your whole fan base is that type of person or that type of you know, negative person hurling these type of insults at you, I can't imagine that feels very good. It doesn't feel good for just walking down the street, right? But you still see guys like P.K. Subban who, are, who is one of the brightest people in his community. I remember a couple years ago reading a Twitter thread about how he 
befriended this little girl in, in a in a cancer ward in a hospital. She went through Make a Wish Foundation, and you know her wish was to meet him. And he went to the hospital, met her, brought her flowers, signed autographs, took pictures with her. And he, he didn't just do it for the publicity. He didn't just do it because he had to. He continued to, you know, periodically go back and check on her, see how she was doing, write letters, stuff like that, send her tickets to games. And I think that's incredible. And to me, I don't understand how people can hate on somebody who does stuff like that. Facts. Speaking of nothing but facts, man. Yeah. And then, like, even going to basketball, you have LeBron. And I'm not even going to sit here and say, you know, the only because the only negative LeBron doesn't just hear the racial slurs that he gets called. He gets crap from everybody about everything. Oh, his final record is bad, or he's not the goat, or he's not this, or he's not that. He's not great. Blah blah blah. But do you not see the? type of person LeBron mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. he opened up an entire school mm-hmm. for underprivileged kids. And for every kid that graduates, they get a free ride through college. Yeah. That is incredible. And again, it, it brings me back to that point. How people can hate on a person like LeBron and then turn around and then go ahead and watch the Lakers. Or two years ago, go ahead and watch the Cavs. It's like I don't, I don't understand why. Now let me ask you guys a question. Maybe you can help me make some sort of sense of this, right? When Colin Kaepernick was in the league for the NFL, you know he's he did his whole kneeling protest, and you hear all these people, "I'm never watching the NFL again. I'm I'm never going to support it again." Blah blah blah. Because they're not making him stop. Okay. Well, they blackballed him from the league. And whatever. Did those people start watching again when he was out of the league? But now the teams are coming out and saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to protest peacefully. James White. I'm wearing his jersey right now. James White of the Patriots said, the Patriots will definitely be peacefully protesting in some way or another when the season starts. And in all the New England Patriot groups I'm in, I'm seeing, ah, oh, screw the Patriots. I'm never going to watch them again. Leave politics out of sports, blah, blah, blah. What happened? I thought you already stopped watching. Hmm. What do you guys think? Uh, I think haters going to hate, right? You're going to get those guys that says, I'm not watching the NFL because they blackball Kaepernick. You know, that was coming from communities that I live in, you know. Guys telling me, yo, you should stop watching the NFL. They don't support Colin. They don't support, you know, what he's standing for. And I'm my my response to that was I I I don't like the fact that the NFL is taking a stance against Colin. I, I despise it, but I love watching football too much to not um you know continue to watch it. Like I'm I'm a, I'm already a fan. Right. And just because, I mean, not to say just yeah. because they have this stance, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, having an artist that you really love 
And then, you know, he messes up badly, like astronomically badly. And now a lot of people call for the cancellation of their music. And I'm just like, I mean, the guy has platinum hits. You just expect me to not like his music anymore because of this this thing that he did it was terrible, yes. But I've all, I already know the lyrics to all of his music. Like, you expect me not to consume it anymore? I don't think that's realistic. Right, and I mean, it, with it's like with Kaepernick, he's not also he's also not some atrocious thing. Like time and time again, he's he's been trying to convey this message of what what he's about. It's not, and he's not doing something heinous crime too. I think. I, I never understood that. Like, I never understood, even if you agree with it or don't agree with it, I n never understood how people make what he's doing sound this, uh, I guess, crime against the military. It's crime against humanity almost. And in that vein, it's, you know, like he's a statement. But I, I agree with you, Ty. Like, just because somebody does one thing you don't like, if you see their body of work, you see what they're about, and they do that one thing, you don't just suddenly abandon them. Unless they do something again, like it's terrible, horrible, awful, then yeah, okay, I'm gonna just distance myself, distance myself from that person. But otherwise, it, we're all human, and humans, we all make mistakes or do things that you're not good. That's just the way to think about it. Absolutely, and like you said, Colin Kaepernick is not some evil guy who, you know disrespected the military and said, you know, the military's awful, blah, blah, blah. He never did any of that. He simply kneeled down during a song, and some people took it the wrong way, and it blew up into something it wasn't. But, again, it, it brings me back to what I was talking about with LeBron, with P.K. Subban, where Colin Kaepernick has done so much for the communities he's involved with. Involved with. Back Early during Trump's presidency, he cut a bunch of funding from Meals on Wheels and some other, you know, some other places. And Colin Kaepernick went out and donated a bunch of his money to them. He donated a bunch of money to educational to to support, you know, school systems. He he donated money to Meals on Wheels. He consistently is going above and beyond for people. And he doesn't expect anything in return. He never once said, oh, I'm doing this to get back in the NFL. right? He never said – there was never any hint of that. There was never any second thought in my mind that he was doing it to, to get back in the good graces of the league. To me, he was always doing it because he's a genuine person. And I, I just – it's unfair to see what's happening to a lot of these players when it comes to, you know, how they're treated. And you know what? I hope that all the players and all the coaches in the NFL come this season do protest. And I hope all these people do stop watching. I think that it just – it would make it a lot more peaceful, Right. How, how many times have you guys gone to a professional game, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, and you see these rowdy people who are typically not 
guys like you and me, but they're the, you know, I hate to say it, but like the, the bigger, like kind of country type dudes, you know what I mean? Mm. And they're a lot angrier. They're the ones that are, you know, yelling and getting kind of rowdy and starting fights and arguing. It's just, it's, I hate to say the word stereotype because we're trying to get away from stereotypes. We're trying to get away from, you know, stereotyping people. But but whenever I go to a sporting event, that's the stereotype I see. Well, not to cut you off. No, go ahead. But um, a lot of that has to do with the way people value athletes. They see athletes as commodities and nothing more, right? Um, you know... They, their athletes are expected to not re- retaliate in any form to any type of abuse thrown at them from a friend, whether that's figuratively, verbally, or literally throwing something on them. I think Michael Bennett a couple years ago had beer thrown on him after a game, and he went crazy. Like he he had to be restrained by teammates and coaches from going into the stands and like, yo, I'm I'm a human. Like I, I'm a man. At the end of the day, you can't just you know, yeah, I'll I play for your entertainment, but you can't just take that for granted, you know. And a lot of a lot of fans do. Um, athletes don't live um, normal lives because of it. You're worth this amount of money. I need you to do this. And if you don't do this, you're trash, you know. That's very well said. And I don't disagree with you at all. I, like you said, in – the thing is, athletes, kind of like you said, are you know treated as something more than they are, right? They are just people at the end of the day doing a job, and it just so happens their job is there for our entertainment. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much they're getting paid. Who cares? They are the best of the best of, at what they do. You and I couldn't do that. The people living two blocks down from me couldn't do that. So it's like... These people deserve it. They work their whole lives to get to this point, right? But they don't need that type of attitude. Oh, you didn't, you know, get that interception or you, you know, you didn't make that tackle so they scored and they get all that pushback from fans. It's not right. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's not right. Yeah. Because, you know, fans they do have the right to voice their opinion, but I think when it's when it goes to you know racial slurs and throwing beer on players, like even what happened to Russell Westbrook, you know he lands he lands in the stands and the guy pushes him, like you don't expect this athletic monster to come at you, like you're crazy. And that's what I meant. I didn't mean by like saying ah oh, like you're a bum for not making that tackle. I didn't mean it like that. I meant. Mm like you said, racial slurs and, you know, physically assaulting the players. I mean, we even saw it at a Celtics game where we had people from, you know, five rows up throwing cups of full beer at the players on the, on the court. Mm-hmm. It's like it, that in my opinion is absolutely ridiculous. And that's the problem. Yeah, you, you know, that wouldn't happen to somebody at a regular job, not to cut you off, but, that oh, would, good. wouldn't happen in a, like a regular. Imagine like any other job. How would that ever be tolerated? You know? Yeah, oh, you didn't do this thing. I'm gonna 
you know, chuck a beer at you. <laughs> oh my God, you messed up the surgery, man. I was just going to throw beer everywhere. Like, come on, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm from Boston. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts is very important here. I'll tell you, I've seen some crazy stuff at Dunks. I've seen, you know, people get their coffee wrong, and then they, the person who's got the coffee goes back in and throws it at the person working, and, you know, people are climbing over counters. and <laughs> Crazy. Crazy Boston. Um, yeah. I did have a question that I wanted to pose, though. Sure. Um, so we're talking about all the protesting that's going on and all the teams that, you know, made statements, all the leagues, and everybody making statements at this point. Um, do you guys feel that, uh, specifically for, you know, the NFL, but, you know, broadly for all other sports, do you think that people are making statements because it's, they're trying to back, they're trying to be on the right side of a movement or do you think that, um, it's genuine? Ahmed, I'll let you take this one first. I'm going to, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant with this one. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to say it's people are trying to be on the right side of the movement. It doesn't take away what they're saying. It doesn't take away from, uh, like, the, the, the meaning and the intentions. Everyone, I feel like, like whoever's on the right side is well-intentioned. I just don't know. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's 100% completely genuine um, so you can't be in the minds of people. You can't be in their hearts. You can't really know what exactly what they're what they're dealing with or what they're what's going on and what their re, their intentions are. But I'm just gonna I in my opinion, it's still like everyone is just trying to be on the right side of things, which there's value in it. But I just can't bring myself to say it's like 100% genuine. Is what I'm saying. All right. So I partially agree with you, Ahmed. I think that while some teams are just trying to be on the right side of the movement, I also feel that for certain teams, it is 100% genuine, and you can go based on their actions, right? Obviously, New England, Boston for has a bad rap of, you know, the fans are racist, blah, 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 whatever. But the New England Patriots have time and time again you know, stood for the Black Lives Matter cause. They've, you know, I don't, I don't want to get obviously too political on the show, but at first, yeah, Robert Kraft, Tom Brady, Belichick, they supported Trump. As time went on, we, as we saw, they kind of stepped back and were like, we're going to distance ourselves. And that was the right thing to do. You see it, it from time to time where certain teams will display that they care about their communities, they care about the people who watch their their team, and th those type of statements, I think, are genuine. Right. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and call out any team because I don't know the type of outreach they do in their own communities, but there could be a team, you know, and that's doesn't do anything for their community that doesn't have really any outspoken support for any, any sort of, you know, movement or group that, the, so they don't, no one really knows where they stand. And then they make a statement. 
that I feel is like trying to be on the right side of history. But when you do have a team that does present themselves in a way that they they're always trying to support, you know, one way or another, they're always trying to show support for a movement or something. Then, yeah, I think that's where I think it the genuine the genuine what is the word I am looking for? Genuine. Yeah, their their genuine feelings come through. Yeah. So. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I kind of don't know where I stand on this because, you know, for the NFL case, I know exactly why I stand on the NFL case. And I feel that they're just throwing money at the issue and hoping everything goes away. But for everybody else, you know, I, I, I really don't know. Um, of course, there's, you know, the players might feel, you know, very genuine about this topic because they lived in these type of environments. Um, most of the players, I, I, I don't want to say all, but most of the players, you know, they come from these, the environment, you know, that this issue is affecting right now. So I think player-wise, it's all genuine. But as far as the NFL, they're just throwing money at the issue in my eyes. But um, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, and I just want to circle back on it. As I mean, it, it's, in my opinion, in terms of other sports, it's easy to tell where, you know, the team stands. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like I've been a homer this whole time because I've been talking about the Patriots, the Celtics, the Red Sox. But I'm going to bring up the Celtics one more time. <laughs> the players have been so outspoken about their support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And Danny Ainge has supported them 100% of the way. So any statement made by the Celtics, I feel is genuine. Again, if you have people in your front office backing the players 100%, if you have people in the front office who make their their feelings known prior, then yeah, I 100% think it's genuine. I can get behind that. But enough about that. You know, we obviously this is not something that's going to be going away anytime soon and these these protests are going to keep happening and we got to keep making our voices heard but let's get off that topic for a minute let's get back into sports man (laughs) so ty ahmed we'll, we'll start with you ty if you had to choose four players or not players, let me rephrase, for athletes in general, can be from any sport, mm-hmm. any time frame, obviously, that you would put on your Mount Rushmore, who would it be and why? Um, so I got Muhammad Ali uh, for the mere fact that he stood up for what he believed in, didn't care what happened to his boxing career at all. Um, you know, he, he, he continued to be an activist long after his career. Like He's a, he's a staple in history. Uh, I think he deserves that spot, not only for his boxing, you know, prowess, but for what he did outside of boxing. Um, my second person would have to be uh, Michael Jordan, man. Um, the NBA was floundering before, you know, Michael Jordan. The The magic and bird narrative was kind of running this course. He comes in and pretty much saves the league. He wins Six chips, two three peaks. Can't can't really argue against MJ. Um, the third one I have, uh, I'm gonna go 
Michael Phelps because for at least for my my childhood growing up, the Olympics was literally Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, USA basketball in that order. Um, the guy was a a fish a fish walking on land. Um, nope, like you can't you can't. He's the most decorated Olympian. Um, you can't really argue with that. Then you have, I think for my fourth spot, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Tiger Woods. I'm going to go with Tiger Woods because whenever he's golfing, must watch TV. And nobody watches golf. Well, not avid golfing. Not avid golfing. The average fan does not watch golf. And I think that he had a whole, the whole world behind him, let alone, like, I was tuning in. I don't watch it. It's kind of boring. You know, my grandparents are tuning in. Everybody's tuning in to watch this guy swing the puck and just win. And even now, even though Tiger is a shell of himself, people will flock to the TV if you were to say Tiger's golfing at 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN. ESPN will be booming. Because of Tiger, so yeah, those are my four. Ahmed, who do you got? Well, I guess I've got to start with the goat. I've got to start with Michael Jordan. Um, I actually like. I have to say that he is the goat. As much as I love the next guy to talk about, but he changed the game. He he is like you said, Ty. Like once you can once Magic Bird once that ran its course, like. He brought the game basketball back to the world, not just not just in the, in, to the world. not just in the country. The um, point where people who don't the world, man, and it's it's to a point where people who don't watch basketball, when you say Michael Jordan, uh, like, I know who that is. Anywhere, like my parents, my family doesn't watch basketball, but you could say Michael Jordan is. They'll know, <laughs> no question about it. Um, so yeah, and. There's not really much I can say other than just adding to your point, but that's it. Yeah, that's that. He'd be the guy to inspire everyone else. And there, it's funny because there, are, you know, there are players who were, you know, who have scored more points than him. There are players who have more rings than him. But most everybody around the world, like you said, can agree he is the goat. Um, with that said, there's arguments to be made for my next guy on, who. I think we all grew up watching and thinking like he is. If if it, if it wasn't MJ, it'd be it'd be LeBron. Um, and I just think that even if he's not as quote unquote great as Michael Jordan, if he's not the goat, I think he he did more for the game of basketball at least in the last over the last two decades than than MJ has. Just in terms of like we've been talking about reaching out in his community, um, player movements. Uh, process. I think he just has helped impact so has his impact kind of goes beyond just the regular game basketball. And I think he's been more consistent and more well-rounded to the point where within the next 10 years where if he's, you know, assuming he's retired, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good idea. I think he'll be a lot closer to, you know, attaining that GOAT title if he wins a couple more titles. But he's I don't know. I maybe I'm biased there, but I, I think he's a little. I think he's closer than we think. But he'd be my number two. Um, yeah, and so my 
A third would be uh, would be um, uh, that's just me being a huge Lakers fan, but just just pointing it out there. Um, and I think I do think he's the closest thing we've had to Michael Jordan. And so, as much as he's not, he wasn't as good as LeBron. He was was he as good as Tim Duncan? It was between him and you know in the last in the last this this recent era. Um, but I think he he is so globally as 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 Michael Jordan as LeBron James that I think you have to ask yourself like even he wasn't the greatest player, but when you think like, like oh who's somebody I want to get watch, uh, you know we say Tiger Woods in golf, you would you would want to see Kobe Bryant play. Mm. He could, could go scoreless. I think he had a game. He went had a game where he went scoreless for three quarters, and then. People were still tuning in to watch him, and he helped the Lakers win that game. And so I think he, his impact is, I would say Steph Curry like, but I think he was he's more of a defensive uh, defensive and he got everything he could possibly get from his talent. Um, and then my fourth guy would, I have to, I'm gonna agree with and say it's Muhammad Ali of how he's revolutionized not just the sports industry, but what he was willing to sacrifice in the, the prime of his career, you know, willing to, to, willing to sacrifice, willing to go to jail for what he believed in. And I don't think I, I, it, it didn't hit me. It still doesn't really hit me that much. It's, it's before my time, before all our time, really. But we know how great he is now, so many years later. And I don't know if we, but, uh, and I was reading about this. Apparently, when it happened, he was, uh, you know, persona non grata. Like he, people did not at all agree he was doing, and he wasn't considered what he is now. So it's now when we're starting to be more progressive, and the in the era of player movement that we recognize his impact. But I think that's especially more more amazing to do that, knowing how much pushback you're gonna get, and not have known he couldn't have known what's how he would how he'd be received today so you know props to him and that we get to know him and may rest in peace uh yeah that'd be my that'd be that'd, he'd be my fourth guy so my mount rushmore kind of goes hand in hand with my most or my top five most influential athletes of all time mm. i feel like the list the the both lists are you know, somewhat of a fine line. Uh, I feel like they both kind of go hand in hand. But if you want to find my top five most influential athletes, it's on my Twitter. Same as well. My first person on my Mount Rushmore is LeBron James. And similar to what you guys said, right? Uh, LeBron, in my opinion, is the GOAT, right? MJ is also the GOAT. They're GOATs of different eras. They're two different games of basketball. One game of basketball is that when MJ played is not the same game that's being played now. It's just not. LeBron right now is the GOAT. The reason he is my number one is because of you know his name. Everybody knows his name. Everybody knows the type of person he is off the court. The things he does off the court. When I look at an athlete, right, I look at a total package. I look at who they are off the court. I look at 
the things they've done, their achievements, and LeBron has done so much outreach for his community that there's no way I couldn't put him as number one. My number two is Tiger Woods. Just like you said, Ty, everybody wants to watch him. Everybody knows about him. My grandmother loves Tiger Woods, right? She's loved him ever since I was a little kid to the point where she used to have a picture of him on her desk in her home office. Win for Tiger. (laughs) But the thing that makes Tiger special in my eyes isn't just his talent as a golfer. It's the adversity he's faced as a human, right? More people in this world than not struggle with some form of addiction when it comes to drugs, right? Tiger made mistakes like everybody else. And the second he made those mistakes, the world essentially turned their back on him. Tiger lost all a bunch of his sponsorships, lost all his fans, you know, wasn't allowed to golf, had to go to rehab, you know, did what he had to do. And he comes back however many years later, and the same year he comes back, he wins the Masters. That's unheard of. That is unheard of. So simply because of the type of adversity he's faced and you know the struggles he had up until this point is why he he's in my Mount Rushmore's number two. And it's because he may not be incredibly outspoken about the type of work he does in his community or whatever, but he shows people that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to mess up you can still be back and still be number one. My number three would have to be the Williams sisters. And I mean, technically that's two people, but I'm counting them as one. They together have redefined the game of tennis. If you never heard of tennis before in your life, you still heard of the Williams sisters. These two women have inspired so many young African, African American women to pursue sports just by playing tennis. And now you see girls all over the world, you know, basketball, baseball, whatever sport it is because of these two women, the, they are just the biggest names you can think of when it comes to tennis. And you can never deny that they aren't one of the best athletes because they are. There's no arguing that they're they're not a top-tier athlete, in my opinion. And for my number four, you know... This one is kind of a toss-up because it can swap between a couple different athletes for me. But I'm going to stay say Steph Curry. Now, when I tell people Steph Curry would be on the Mount Rushmore, it's I got a, a little bit of pushback. Why? Like he, you know, he's he's nothing special. I wouldn't say that. Steph Steph Curry is a very special player. If you know, five years ago, you walked into a YMCA and you went to a pickup game of basketball, everyone is trying to get that ball to the net, going for those 
awesome layups, you know, those dunks, whatever. Now if you walk into a YMCA, every single kid in that gym is trying to shoot three-pointers. Every single person on a college basketball team is trying to shoot three-pointers. Every every person who watches basketball now, three-pointers are the stat that they go to, right? And I'll give you an example of it. Marcus Smart, in my opinion, is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. In my opinion, he's top five. That might be a little high, but in my opinion, Marcus Smart is a top five defensive player in the league. But he gets a lot of slack because he he's not the best at shooting threes. He has a 37.2% average for three-pointers. Hmm. This is all because of Steph Curry. Steph Curry, while it, it, he is just so influential to so many athletes that he changed an entire game that is still currently he evolving. It. He broke it. That's what I'm saying is he changed an entire game that is still evolving, right? This man is dying because of him, though. Right. And so that is why, court. this is why Steph Curry is on my Mount Rushmore as my number four. I can get behind Steph Curry for real. But, yeah, I mean, I think I, I very much respect the uh, Muhammad Ali, you know, in, the, in your Mount Rushmore. He's definitely up there for me in my influential athletes. Um, I would put him absolutely in my top ten. Um, you know, I think it's – yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's about all I can say. I mean, I – you know, mention of Michael Phelps, I think that's awesome, you know. And, again, he's one of those people that people tend to forget about. Yeah, man. Yeah, the guy has gills. There's nothing more I can say. <laughs> but I think that just about wraps up the this episode of the trifecta. So, guys, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Instagram at Ty underscore Talk Sports, uh, Facebook, Tyrone Star Wars, and on Twitter at T-Y-E-E underscore three. Ahmed, where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can you can find me uh, on Twitter, Ashifa1194, uh, on Instagram, uh, AhmedShifa298, and on Facebook as AhmedShifa. Awesome. And as always, everybody can find me on Twitter, at JournalistJ0, and you can find me on Facebook, at JaredZero, obviously. And then, again, don't forget to check out all the great things we have going up on Back Sports page. Uh, follow back sports page on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere that you know you follow your social media. And until next week, guys, I think that's about does it. Sounds about right to me. Good with that. Peace out.